Leslie, you brought up the Burger King ad. The the Burger King oh. ad that I think is going to be pretty infamous from now on. Yes, but I actually have I really liked it actually, and, and uh, it's because um, it's an honest ad. It's actually honest. It's not like um, Gillette uh, owned by Procter and Gamble, who you know put asbestos in baby powder for like twenty years, <laughs> telling you telling you you have to be a better man and lecturing you about how you have to be. It's not even like most ads where they just say, if you buy our piece of junk, it's going to make you whole. It's going to make you feel better. It's not even the commercial I've seen before with food and food restaurants where they'll show somebody having a shitty day and then they come into the store where the minimum wage workers are smiling at them ready to serve them and that's going to make it all (laughs) better. No, this commercial doesn't do that. This commercial just says life fucking sucks. Have a burger. (laughs) And that's it. It's it's so like simple and honest about what it is. It's not even one of those ironic, like uh, like the KFC ads now are so steeped in irony that it's hard to tell. Like, they're not really even advertising chicken. They're advertising some sort of emotion that you're supposed to feel about the whole thing. Um, whereas the Burger King ad really was just, yeah, sometimes life just fucking sucks. And, oh, by the way, like, buy a an affordable, you know, charbroiled burger. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, it doesn't say that the burger is going to make you whole or fix everything or make you feel better. You're still going <laughs> right. to same the feel the same way. I think the tagline is like, feel your way. Like, yeah, still feel shitty while you're eating this <laughs> burger by all means. But I still don't think buy- food even makes an appearance in the ad, right? It's just oh, all it, of these kind of Well, the boxes people. do. The boxes do. Where they, oh, okay. uh, the, the, like, fake. But those aren't even real. They're just like fake instead of having like a happy meal you can have a sad meal an angry meal the pissed meal was the favorite one because i was like i can't believe that they would associate their products with the word piss like it just doesn't yep, seem it's like just a street smart there move. on the box yeah. <laughs> and you know somebody who uh, a listener of my show struggle session actually um was involved in this and he messaged me to ask me like because i made a joke about it and he asked me what i thought and i'm like i actually kind of like it because it's actually it's an honest ad um like there's a version of the ad where they tell people to go to burger king and talk to the minimum age workers about their feelings and that's not this ad it's just <laughs> like straight up like yeah everything is awful um, have a hamburger. It might do something for you. Well, well and no, I think they, they, there's like they a partnership already... with the Mental Health Alliance or something, right? Because they, they've done like uh, – in a previous ad, they did like the bullying ad, which I thought was actually really good too, where they like would stage a, a scene where like a kid – a teen was getting bullied and all the customers would ignore it. And then a guy would like punch their hamburger and they'd be like, this is unacceptable. Uh, and so then at the end, they were like, twist, bullying is bad. And I thought that was pretty cool too. I think I think they already made the ad where the people go directly to the Burger King location and tell their problems to uh, the minimum wage worker who's working there who doesn't know and does not care. Um, and it was that video of the dude when the uh, Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce came out standing <laughs> on the counter and yelling, I'm Pickle Rick over and over. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Ex- it's exactly Beautiful. the same sort of uh uh, you know, the anxiety and the economic alienation that everybody's feeling just represented a different way. I'm looking at their little bullying thing right now. 
I, I, I so it is more like a PSA instead of just a commercial, which you know we I'm pretty we're all leftists here. We hate corporations, but I I don't necessarily begrudge any of them for doing a PSA. But I'm just happy about this ad because this is the if you want to do a woke ad, this is a way to do it. Like don't like lecture people and tell them like how they have to feel about like toxic masculinity when you're just like evil fucking corporation who just wants to sell shit like just be like 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 you can acknowledge like the real world and reality while still selling your shit if, if this way at least burger king figure out a way uh to do it like i don't know maybe every ad should just be like this just should ju- just be companies like taking all their money and their high definition cameras and the producers and just showing the misery that people live in and then at the end with a small sort of suggestion that maybe you want to buy this toothbrush and that and that should be like every commercial from now on yeah i i'm looking forward to you know the end result of this is uh jordan peterson is going to do a red lobster commercial about how (laughs) horrible it is to be an incel Podcast in Arlington, Texas. Very stormy Arlington, Texas. I'm Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my excellent co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, is it storming for you guys? Uh, the only storm that I have is the storm of profits from the Beyond Meat IPO. <laughs> All right, we'll which get into up it like two hundred percent. We'll get into it in a second. Uh, we have a special guest for you this week, also the host of Struggle Session and all around like. Everybody's favorite person online, I think, Leslie Lee the third. Leslie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I don't know if I'm everybody's favorite person. I, I got some haters out there, but they all um are suck and are garbage people. So <laughs> well, we've, it's fine. we've kicked, Yeah, we've we've kicked them off of our platform, oh, so we okay. don't even see that anymore. Yeah, D platform uh, all my haters. <laughs> Two thousand nineteen. It's awesome to have you with it's us. Brendan, great yeah, so far. Brendan, you wanna you wanna keep with the, the Burger King theme here though? Well, yeah, I, I was really excited today that uh, I, I didn't know this was happening, but uh, on the news, they were talking about this new Beyond Meat IPO, which is like this company that made um, this new fake meat that's supposed to be like really, really good. And, you know, it's like, oh, you get a veggie burger and you're actually like, well, this is just as good, if not better than a regular hamburger. Yeah, the Beyond and- Burger is pretty good. It's pretty tasty. It's, uh, it's getting crazy out there. So a lot of places are going to start carrying it. And it seems like there's a really huge market for this. And I think it's really great if places like, you know, Burger King can serve less meat. That's like a win for everybody. It's healthier. It's better for the environment. And it's, you know, less cruelty in, in yeah. the fast and, food uh, slightly and also uh, aoc wins we did ban cows we just let them oh, shit. Don't, don't let them catch on oh no <laughs> I, yeah, but I, if you could I, just couch it in capitalism and think of the profits you know that it's okay <laughs> then again 
Yeah, I forget who said it, but somebody was saying like, with all these burger, these burger chains are the perfect place for veggie burgers because the meat tastes like shit anyway. Oh, it terrible. doesn't matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. If they put fake meat in my Burger King or Taco Bell, I was like, I just assumed it was fake already, and now they're like, no, it's actually real, and now it's going to be fake. I'm like, well, great. That's I was already there. I was already oh, way yeah, ahead of you guys. It's always been that way, right? I mean the the rumor that went around in like the 90s that like half of the meat that you get in a Taco Bell taco is like sawdust and um, some sort of like, you know, textured vegetable protein or, you know, just the straight up fact that there is no dairy in a Wendy's Frosty. It's all just like some sort of soy emulsion. Um, this this stuff's been going on for a long time. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's great to see people um, not just be okay with the products but actually embrace it and didn't you say the the stock was like way undervalued when they ipo'd well they ipo'd and it was up like 160 or 180 percent or something today so uh it seems like even the own their own company was like oh i I guess we didn't know like how valuable our product was yeah but i I think it's pretty funny that uh they try to Say like, oh, environmentalists want to, you know, destroy the the plains and and all the agriculture business by getting rid of cows. But the the burgers are made out of plant material, and like, you know, agriculture is also about plants too. So <laughs> it's still it's still there. You've still got it in. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah. Do we have a sense of what actually goes into a Beyond Burger? Is it all just kind of like textured, veg- just general vegetable protein, or does it, I mean, do you think it'll lead to people kind of diversifying their crops or is the, are the Great Plains going to be basically unchanged? It's still just like corn and soy, basically. It's made out of like peas and potatoes hey, and like Hey, you know, peas, peas at least feed back into the soil. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's like peas and wheat and coconut oil and potatoes and like all stuff that can be grown in, in right. the Plains and probably doesn't smell as bad as a feedlot. Well, it sounds like a a win-win-win, you know, consumer market and environment. So I expect to see uh, people like Paul Joseph Watson on Facebook um, decrying this any minute. Oh, Oh, wait. wait. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Amazing transition. They banned a bunch of racists from Facebook, which I thought... They had already done that, but I guess they hadn't. I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't more, like, outcry that they have not done this yet. I mean, I'm glad they did it, but it kind of surprised me because I just had assumed that that had already occurred. If you well, it ban seems like all it's the, going in waves. If, yeah, if you ban all the races from Facebook, then who is going to be there? Certainly no uncles. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, Paul Joseph Watson himself tweeted, like, not only did they ban me from Facebook, but they've also banned anybody who wants to talk about me. And it's like, honestly, Paul, like all of these like boomer, like MAGA hat people probably would do okay if they just took a little bit less time online. Yes. You know, <laughs> go walk your dog or something. Stop pay talking your, about QAnon pay, conspiracies. Pay your alimony. <laughs> well, right. And it, it's funny, too, because like, oh, yeah, they banned Alex Jones and, and Milo and, and, you know, stuff like that. But, I mean, they didn't ban like QAnon fans. Like, they're still there. Like, the damage is kind of already done in, in some ways. Like, I'm oh, glad yeah, you that You Alex can't put Jones the toothpaste there, back but, in the tube at right. that point. Yeah. The, the thing that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and... Um, 
Jack, what's his Jack Twitter? You know, the the thing that they've established online is like the new norm of how we communicate. That's not going away, but at least they're stepping up a little bit and, you know, getting rid of some of the like the worst of the provocateurs. Yeah, they uh, they got you know um, Paul. They got prison Paul. R.I.P. They got Alex Jones again. <laughs> uh, shout out to my homie Alex Jones. They also added in, interesting enough, uh, Louis Farrakhan. Um, I feel like just as a way to say, you know, we're not just going after white wingers. We also have a black white winger right, uh, yeah, to go well, after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's been the debate all day. Like. Who owns Louis Farrakhan? And, like, nobody wants to take him onto their team. Because the thing about Louis Farrakhan is, I mean, he does have ties to the black community. He's at all the black events. White people um, love talking about Louis Farrakhan. Can't get enough of him. White people are obsessed with Louis Farrakhan and putting him on right. TV. Just like Al Sharpton. Just like all these people that white people will always complain about. Yeah, they Louis were Farrakhan to... has a bigger white fan base than he does a black one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But, I mean, the, the nature of Islam is in black community but they're a marginal force i think at this point it was very much an era uh, 90s kind of thing like the fact that we're still talking about lewis farrakhan is amazing uh to me because like that the million man march was that was i was in middle school i was in middle school when that happened that was a long long uh time ago we've kind of moved past and beyond that and yeah he's always a convenient uh, inspector for the white right wing to bring up to make you uh scared of black people that all of a sudden black people are going to become the real racist and start you know taking out white people i'm like and uh, based on of lewis farrakhan like i think he was going if he was going to take out all the white people he would have done it by now um, frankly <laughs> and that, that, that's why he's such a disappointment as a leader to be honest with you. <laughs> He's just waiting until you least expect it, you know? He's, he's got to get banned from Facebook, and then, then that's when the real work starts. Like, who even knew Louis Farrakhan had a Facebook page? That, that's the one thing that's kind of, like, fucked up. It's like, I kind of want to go back and look at Louis Farrakhan's Facebook page and actually see if he was actually posting, like, anything as bad as Alex Jones was, because I don't know. I've never heard of his Facebook page. I actually want to know, or if did Facebook actually say, like, all right, we got to throw someone on the left quote unquote under the bus and then <laughs> right. just pick Louis Farrakhan like did he get a bad rap like was his Facebook page just like him posting recipes and shit I don't know yeah, he was he was out there using like hashtag great replacement but using it unironically <laughs> I, do, I don't know what he was doing uh, but I, I'd be surprised if he had anywhere near the reach of someone like Alex Jones who has a huge uh internet presence i mean i i I just feel like he he uh justice for farrakhan is i guess is what i'm saying um free uh farrakhan (laughs) farrakhan innocent well i think i think a thing that we do need to talk about is some of the reaction to the banning um one talking point that i've seen a lot is this uh sort of finger pointing at the left like the left broadly speaking are celebrating the removal of Infowars, Prison Paul, uh, Milo, Laura Loomer also got the axe, you know, and she's been having a rough go lately. She she really has to the extent <laughs> of girl. to the extent oh. of apparently like 
making like vague self-harm threats like in text messages to people the thirstiest woman to ever walk the face of the earth man christ she was she was like showed up at uh twitter jack's house with like a envelope and she was like i need to mail you my tweets or something is that what was (laughs) happening Oh sure, yeah. the The one who handcuffed herself to Twitter HQ when she got suspended, and you know this this most recent one, she's like, "I'm I'm a committed anti-Zionist, and you know this is exactly like the Holocaust. Like, I would rather kill myself than, uh, you know, let them take the victory lap over me." But basically, <laughs> she, I, basically, I live in a gulag now. Yeah, she said that it was like being in a gulag, being getting kicked off of Facebook. Right. But you're free. You're free, Laura. Yeah, you're you're released from the gulag. Like, it's, it's a great victory. Yes. But one of the but one of the big criticisms that I've been seeing from the right is like, no, the the left loves this. Like the left are these these are natural bedfellows, right? Like the left and the big media platforms and uh, somehow like European governments get tied into it. I guess it has to do with how the EU wants to regulate social media and stuff. And I'm looking at it going like what how many different species of brainworm do you need to have in order to believe that the left thinks that like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Twitter running the political discourse is a good thing? <laughs> yeah, we um, we hate them, too. It's just extremely funny to watch them screw you over. That's all it is to yeah. it. Like, it's just, it's just funny. There's no it's just pure schadenfreude. Yeah. Well, and the sad part is that it's not like they kick them off because they wanted to, right? They, they didn't want to do this. And that's why it took so long, right? Is that they were dragging their feet because they were like, oh, all these fans, you know, I'm sure Alex Jones is out there buying ads and stuff. Like, they didn't want to really kick him off, but they felt that they had to do it because they were facing, you know, other people saying, I don't want to go on Facebook anymore because it's full of fucking Nazis. And that's where they actually are forced to make a decision. And it's sad that it has to come to that, but that's the only thing that they'll react to is if their if their platform gets enough negative publicity for hosting these horrible voices, then you know it ties their hands. And even though they don't want to actually get rid of these people, they feel like they have to do it because it's damaging their brand too much. Well, and I wonder too. I I feel like um, you know like one of the big stories about Facebook in particular over the past couple of years is that it has this sort of evaporative cooling going on where like young people are using Facebook less and less Um, just, you know, like million, literally millions of like millennials and Gen Zers who are uninstalling the app altogether because the only people left are basically your like racist, you know, boomer relatives um, which right, means and they just want to like, see pictures of you going to the prom, and so they're like, "Okay, fine." I'll yeah, just- <laughs> sure, but like in between them posting like Blue Lives Matter, like Punisher skull bullshit, um, and, and so like everybody had basically muted all of their relatives already, and now they're just not using the app anymore. Which means you're left with basically it. it it's it's sort of like how you know like Reddit communities end up like driving out all of the like reasonable people and all you're left with is people who are you know they're going to post their last screed before they go on a mass shooting yeah to facebook you know yeah facebook is i i can't remember the last time i like was an active user of it like i have like i log in like once a week just to see I, I'll, I'll use the messenger but like 
it has like the birthday notifications it's nice to be able to wish somebody a happy oh, birthday oh no i've been over that for like a year <laughs> i haven't wished somebody a happy birthday <laughs> in like two years because of that and just because it's like it, it's, it's just a weird not very fun to use platform i feel like you know when Facebook came around, like it kind of like first there was Friendster, and then everybody moved from Friendster to MySpace because MySpace was better. Then everybody moved from MySpace to Facebook because Facebook eventually got better, and then everybody just kind of kept their Facebook because everybody at some point every person you know ever got on Facebook, and yeah, that's sure. your way to communicate with them. So you're kind of tied there, and then you get on Twitter, and you don't really necessarily close your facebook account or give up on your facebook account because it has a very different function and we haven't had something that really takes away for and twitter's still around and then instagram came around but that didn't really take over because it had a different function and like we're kind of at this place where instead of like all of us migrating to the next and next and next platform we're kind of keeping around some of these zombie platforms or at least zombie to us versions of it like the boomers still like facebook but for me like it's completely uh a dead uh, i know a lot of people might have a uh, twitter accounts that they don't really care about they just use instagram and still keep it around but there's like no but these all these platforms have gotten so huge, so big that nothing really can compete with them to drive us all out there, hit the refresh button so that we can just leave all this old, old crusty bullshit that they've become behind. Yeah, it, it, the the thing about all of the platforms that you named is that they're still really good at doing the thing that they ostensibly do. Um, there's no reason for somebody to transfer over to like Google Plus finally just shut its doors like in the last couple of months, you know, which was a united, basically super Facebooky sort of thing with some better functionality. But like nobody was using it. So like, why would I move from Facebook over to Google Plus um, at, at the best? They got people who were trying to use both, um, but that wasn't enough to keep the platform afloat. Yeah, and I mean, the selling point of Facebook for a time was like, hey, it's Facebook. It's where everybody you know is on, and you get to see what they're up to. And people were like, wow, that's great. And then they did it for a while, and they were like, you know what? It's actually not great. And the studies show that it's not great. It makes you feel shitty when you use it. (laughs) And you waste a bunch of fucking time, and you just feel like shit afterwards because you got all these people's, like, fake stuff. It's just like people... You know, selling like essential oils and you know shit like that, <laughs> right. and you're like, why am I wasting my fucking life doing this? So- yeah, I mean, even before the like multi level marketing stuff kicked in, that effect was there because nobody posts, nobody sad posts on Facebook. You know, that's that's at least the thing with Twitter that people feel completely free about posting. Like, hey, I'm really bummed out. Like, post pet photos or something you know <laughs> right well or people do but then you're like oh shit i didn't realize like my boss is on here or like what well, you know yeah, shit right. like that too <laughs> where you're like never mind like i don't actually want to like post anything real on this platform anymore so i don't know i don't really think facebook is something that will be replaced with something else because i think people realize like that's actually just not a thing that people really want anymore like they don't necessarily want that and they get oh you think the whole the whole thing was kind of a fad then just a fad that like kind of suckered literally everybody in yeah i mean i think i think it kind of was but i I also think 
it, it tried to be too many things. Like when it tried to start out and it's like, oh, it's for like you're in college and you can hook up with people at your college or whatever. Like that was a niche. But then they were like, it's just everything for everyone. Everybody in the world is going to have it and they're just going to post all kinds of shit on there. And it lost its way, right? Instagram is about pictures. Twitter is about jokes and memes. You know, Facebook is about they don't know. Like, what even is yeah, it about? Yeah. It's about everything, and it's it's not focused. And I think the ecosystem is actually better when you have, you know, smaller focused platforms. And that's why I think Reddit has been doing really well, is that you have these communities. And Reddit as a platform is only about using these communities, and the communities can grow and die independently of the platform itself and go through that cycle where Facebook can't, you know, because it's just yeah. you. We just, we just need the Reddit admins to be at least as aggressive as Mark fucking Zuckerberg <laughs> in getting rid of some of the, uh, like, creeps and white supremacists. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. The thing with Reddit is, like, I think the design of Reddit is just designed in such an awful way because it's, like, the hive mind thing is very, like, big there like you cannot be a person like it always leans towards like the most right-wing bullshit garbage opinions always are the like the group opinions and anyone who pushes back against that is just a care lord or an sjw and that's like at every single reddit like individually all moving to that place because it's all like just because it's anonymous accounts there's no real authentic people well yes pseudonymous accounts at least and i think the the pseudonymity is at least as big a problem you know because like on Facebook, at least the horrible things that you say are tied to your actual identity and you only get the one account. But if you can go through, if you can cycle through many, many different accounts, um, and just nobody knows who you are in real life, that, or that you have a hundred accounts and you just like, you use them to comment on your own posts and be like, this guy's the best. Right. You know, that's a funny thing because the, uh, the stupid poll, um, people, there was a little bit, little mini, very inside baseball left, uh, drama because some guy is very mad at stupid poll, which is basically the chop, the people who left the chop house, uh, trap house subreddit because they wanted to call people slurs more, basically. <laughs> and they started their own Reddit where they can call more people slurs, um, and still call themselves so socialists and they were very afraid of this like uh, kind of kooky blogger who was you know trying to expose them and dox them and tie them to their actual reddit accounts i'm like so on the one hand there's these people that are saying oh we're going to join dsa and save the left from all the intersectionality uh, that's destroying us at the same time they're also saying i but i don't ever want to be associated with my real name with this my reddit account ever 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 it will destroy my life so it's a very uh, funny and telling thing about how Reddit operates because you, you, you being an authentic person on Reddit is just not a thing you can do. So of all the social media websites, I often think it's probably the worst uh, one for um, right wing bullshit for uh, obvious reasons. God, yeah, that's a, that's such an amazing point because I, I read that essay at least before the, the dude pulled it down from Medium and it comes off as very goofy, but you're right that that dichotomy kind of proves his point that like, no, we're the real leftists, but what we say online, like, I don't, I don't want that to actually have real life consequences. I don't want to be punished for that. Um, which is 
more or less the point that the guy was making that you've got a bunch of people who are they're more dedicated to being edge lords than they are to being actual any kind of you know like praxis oriented leftists well but on facebook the the selling point was always like hey it's your real identity so it's not like you're gonna go on facebook where everyone knows exactly who you are and it's people you know in real life you would never go on there and like post a bunch of racist memes or whatever and it's like oh no (laughs) yeah they do you you would (laughs) and like i've seen it happen in my own family and People just do it, and everyone just accepts it. And they just go like, oh, well, you know, that's just Uncle Jim, and he just posts racist stuff on Facebook. Like, what yeah. you going to do? You know, <laughs> just just for the lols, you know? And so that that idea of, like, because it's your real identity, it will keep you from being the worst version of yourself, it was just not true. And it – or at least it wasn't after, you know, Trump came to power and allowed all these people to say, oh, now I can be openly racist and I can just say, well, hey, Trump did it. So it's it's cool, right? I think you're totally right. And that speaks to what I meant about the whole evaporative cooling effect, because Facebook has not been, uh, you know, in the vanguard of taking care of this problem, which means a lot of younger people or at least people who don't want to see just horrible racist invective on their timelines all the time, like just left. They just quit. They just quit Facebook. Yeah, and you, I think you get this uh, effect, right, where it happens to almost every online community where the people who are the most vocal are often the most angry, you know, the most fired up, um, you know, the, the people who are posting all the time and, you know, posting vitriolically and just, like, very aggressively. And the people who are like, I'm not really into that, they stop engaging with the platform and sure. so you just draw in more and more of those people that like that content and want to produce that type of content. Um, and it's exactly the type of thing that led to like the incel community, which, you know, was started by um, a queer woman as like, let's help each other and like do therapy about our relationship struggles. And over the years, you know, morphed into just a horrible radicalization engine for, you know, angry white dudes online and that just happens to a lot of platforms unless your platform is aggressively trying to prevent that from happening. And most places aren't willing to do that work. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie said that uh, every subreddit is bad. And, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, but men's lib is but still what about, good. What about and the it's, puppies? It's because it's because we ban everybody who doesn't agree with us. <laughs> right. That's the answer. Ban them. That's it. Well, I think we have to take a break on that note. Um, we'll, we'll come back with some more um, picking Leslie's brain, I think. But for now, gosh, you know, Brendan, your your thing reminded me of, uh, you know, the con- the online concept of the long September. I'm going to have to oh, yeah. fight my urge to just play that Green Day September end song. Oh, I thought you were going to say that, that Counting Crows. It's been a long time. A better choice. Uh, <laughs> uh, both both under copyright, so probably it will be something different. So we'll be back in a minute. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. May I help you, sir? Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. 
We can serve your grilled beef whopper Fresh with everything on topper Any way you think is proper Have it your way Now that's the way to do things Our way Have it your way Have it your way At Burger King So Leslie, uh, you and all of our fans know that uh, this is a show pretty much run by a couple of white dudes, so I'm hoping for a robust, uh, let's call it an outsider's perspective, an, an arm's length perspective at least, on why it is that you've got all of these mediocre white dudes who don't stand for anything that really distinguishes them from the field suddenly deciding to throw their hat into the ring for the 2020 Democratic nomination. Well, first of all, most of them are have no intention of becoming president. I mean, that's obvious. It's just marketing, just personal marketing. Yeah, so it's, it's a mix of, you know, for some, it's just like getting their name out there, raising their profile. Maybe eventually they want to be president. Maybe they just want to be, you know, senator or something. This is a pretty good way to get a few eyes on you for a couple of weeks. Right. Or maybe they want to be appointed like secretary of the agriculture or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Some people are running for like cabinet positions, appointments, th- things like that. But like, um, it's not really, but the question, because the more interesting question comes with like the top tier mediocre white guys, like, um, uh, like Buddha judge, like, yeah. Does he actually want to be president of the United States of America ever. I mean, because the question, because he's just like a mayor of a town in Indiana. Like, where do you get off? (laughs) You've got to believe that he's got some sort of delusions of grandeur to really throw your, you know, throw your support behind his candidacy because he doesn't, he doesn't seem to know anything. And in fact, is making a big deal about how, he has no policies, and that's actually a good thing. Wait a minute. You know? I heard he was America's sexiest, blandest policy wonk. Yeah, who was that fucking Vogue? <laughs> yeah, that picture that they have of him, <laughs> his face turned to the side, and he's photoshopped, I swear to God, so that he looks like Gary Newman, which Gary Newman isn't like an ugly guy, but he's not the hottest guy, but Vogue is <laughs> acting like him looking, being photoshopped to look vaguely look like Gary Newman means he's right. like the hottest politician oh, to ever He's, he's the Adam the Lambert of the, of the Democratic primary <laughs> right now. Well, you know, throwing throwing that picture into the mix of uh, that that photo shoot. I don't remember. Was it like GQ did of uh, Beto? You know, where it was like him with like the untucked, um, <laughs> you know, like muslin shirt, you know, the dog in the background leaning on a pickup truck or whatever. I'm in it. I just got to be in it. Yeah. My wife may be a billionaire, but I'm I'm an old, you know, old timey country dude like like, we didn't see that from the years 2000 through 2008. Politics has always been a white man's game. I mean, that's that's the whole deal, right? And so there's this whole audience, and that's how I, where I think a lot of the Biden support comes from, is there's a lot of older people who, this early on in the process, they're just looking for somebody that makes them feel comfortable and normal. He's got that senatorial look to him. He's got the white hair. He's white. Right. And that's, I think, the Beto thing and the and the Mayor P thing, too, is that you got these guys out here saying, like, look, I don't really know what I'm for, but I know that I'm not Trump and I'm about being kind of like a nice guy. And white people will eat that up and they will have no compunctions of getting out there and saying, 
I love Beto, you know, I love Biden or whatever. You know, white people, they have no problem sharing their opinion. Whereas a lot of other people will be like, I'm just going to withhold judgment and and wait and see. Because there's no reason (laughs) to be getting out right now at this point and being vocal about the support. Well, there was that that poll that recently came out where it was uh, it, it showed that Biden had something like a 15 or a 19 point lead over Bernie Sanders or something. But uh, both of the columns for people between the ages of like 18 and 35 and people between 35 and 50 were just like not available. The, the numbers were too small for them to put them on the chart. <laughs> Well, right. They, they didn't have landlines or whatever. Exactly. I think that's exactly what happened. They did this poll and it was like 500 people, you know, which is a, it that can be statistically significant if you're doing your stats right. Uh, but the fact that they had nobody within those age, age ranges or too few respondents to be able to actually measure the uh, the numbers and then to release like, no, it looks like Biden is super leading right now is so it's. It's it's mathematical malpractice, god damn it. Yeah, and they're they're trying to uh I mean it's, it just feels like it's happening again. It's 2016 again. They're trying to stack the deck for the establishment candidate now that it's clear that it's gonna be Biden. Sorry, Mayor Pete, sorry, um <laughs> Beto. Beto. Yeah, you you got you you two are now running for like VP uh, slots at best. Sure. At best. Um, it's going to be Biden. Biden is their guy and they're it's starting to be off- fucking Tim Kaine again for VP. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a great team. Oh. The worst one to imagine, of course, is Biden-Clinton as the ticket. <laughs> right. <laughs> n- not only do I think they would be unstoppable in the primary, they would almost certainly, certainly lose. Uh, oh, absolutely they would lose. Absolutely they would lose. We got into a good conversation the other day because some uh, brain genius on Twitter uh, floated the Biden-Obama ticket. That's just amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, he told Obama not to endorse him. Obama really wanted to, but he was like, hey, you know, let's not play favorites, <laughs> bro. But yeah, we all know Biden's already picked his VP. It's Stacey Abrams. So, you know, that's it. Locked it up, man. Didn't tell her about it, but, you know, who cares? Yeah. Isn't Stacey Abrams out? Didn't she just lose her? There was a special election or something. Well, I mean, yeah, she she lost her like Senate race or whatever. But, um, you know, Biden was saying, oh, yeah, you know, maybe Stacey Abrams for for VP or whatever in, in his like private fundraisers, you know, to try to <laughs> try to shore up that big money. See, I, I don't I don't know enough about Abrams to be able to make a real judgment on her. But I do sincerely believe that a Biden presidency, especially with, um, you know, some kind of some kind of pandering VP pick um, is going to be like the last time the Democrats ever get elected um, to anything in this country. Cause you'd have, you know, say Biden won four years of doing nothing to address all of the problems that gave rise to Trump. Your next president is fucking Richard Spencer or, or some comparable, you know, actual outright fucking white supremacist, fascist nationalist, who is just better at doing the political game and the policy game than Trump is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like it's gonna get worse if the Democrats like, like Bernie Sanders is would be the best thing to happen to the Democratic Party if they let him, you know, go and launder all their bullshit for four to eight years. But they yeah. don't want that. They don't want that. And the best part about it for the Democrats is that they can just say like, well, hey, he's like not even a Democrat, right? So like it, it's a win-win for them, right? If he gets into office and he does good stuff, they could be like, yeah, that's our guy. And then if he does stuff that doesn't work out, they could be like, well, he's not really even a Democrat. Like we, yeah. were, you know, it wasn't our idea. <laughs> so I don't know why they're so opposed to him winning the nomination. I mean, they're so desperate that they'll literally throw their support behind just any, you know, white guy with a square jaw. <laughs> Just to prevent it from getting the nomination. The they is very important in that question because the, you know, the the actual voters, the, the traditional voters for the Democratic Party probably would be fine with Bernie Sanders uh, if if the party machinery would get behind him. But if the they is the party machinery, all of the consultants, uh, all of the people who have made their their entire living their education you know they started in elementary school carrying a briefcase yeah and a lanyard exactly yeah. a briefcase and a lanyard uh to like you know third grade music class these people are so invested and their entire livelihoods are based around the idea that democratic party politics runs exactly this way um uh, and that's how i get paid so you know, I'm the person who gets to whisper in the ear of all the party, you know, senators, potential candidates for office. It, it, that's it, Bernie Sanders is a threat to me because he is actually talking about we're going to like take out at the knees the big donors. Uh, we're going to, you know, try to rein in this lobby lobbyism and the revolving door between former staffers and the private sector. Um, that's terrifying to them. It might even be more direct than that because, like, Bernie Sanders isn't going to hire all of them. <laughs> like, like that's yeah. just like right, right. It's more personal. Yeah, they know that in you know, Sanders administration, they're going to be shit out of luck. They're going to end up in the same place that they were once uh, when they on November sixth uh, when they found out that Hillary Clinton lost. Like, some of these right. people had already like bought like. Apart, like rented houses, houses and, and yeah. stuff because they all just knew that they were going to have these spots in D.C., be close to the president, and they got nothing for it. Yeah. And four years later, Bernie Sanders is still going to come back and keep me out of it. God damn no, it. That's absolutely right. They, they want to run exactly the same playbook because they see Robbie Mook, who blew like the biggest layup ever in American history. He gets appointed to head up like the the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee or like one of the other big committees. You can't even keep them straight because they proliferate like the roly polies in my garden right now. He is actually doing really well for himself, even though he was like the point guy. He was the one that all of the articles were written about, you know, this algorithmic, you know, this numerical genius. He's the uh, who's the New York Times Nate. Um, What's his name? Five five thirty eight guy. Oh, oh Nate, Nate, Silver. Nate Silver. Yeah, he's he's like the Nate Silver for the Dem Democratic Party, even though he lost and everybody keeps hiring. He's just stumbling over his dick upward, and that's what everyone else wants to do too. I really thought that when Hillary lost, that they would have kind of that reckoning, right? That you know maybe it wasn't that great, 
to push a nominee forward that, you know, there wasn't really that much genuine enthusiasm for the nominee. It was just like, hey, this other guy sucks. Oh, really sure. Bad. Lots of antipathy. And they're ready to just double down on it. I mean, they, they didn't seem to be phased at all with the fact that that didn't really seem to work out too great for them. Yeah, they, it's like they just want to keep losing and keep getting paid because if they left ever, <laughs> if they ever win or, you know, put forth, actually have to be in charge and being in power, there'll be consequences for that. So they want to keep losing, but still keep getting paid, still keep dragging um, the uh, people who still trust in the Democratic Party along by the nose, uh, taking their donations, taking their money. We don't talk enough about the fact that the, the Hillary Clinton spent like one to two billion dollars on her campaign. Right. And that mu- much of that money was going to consultants. Like all these people made millions of dollars off of this failed campaign and they're back at it again trying to tell us that they know how to defeat Donald Trump and it's bullshit. Well, th- and that's that's one of my favorite stories uh, out of like Midwestern related politics this week is Amy Amy Klobuchar's plan to uh, correct the campaign spending issue by by issuing everybody Chuck E. Cheese dollars. Like, (laughs) you get 600 gold tokens to feed into the campaign machine, and that's going to somehow correct the problem. Uh, As if that doesn't just cause, like, massive inflation in the number of dollars a campaign can spend on advertising and stuff. I mean, like... Everyone's complaining about the Democratic primary being two years long now. Imagine like a six-year one. There's enough money to go around that we're literally now campaigning for who's going to run for president in fucking 2032. And like regardless, like who the fuck wants to spit? What regular person, regular voter wants to spend even a second thinking about how to spend that $600? Yeah, that's absolutely like nobody, right. Nobody wants that. They want that six hundred dollars to put in their own pocket. Like how how much res- how resentful would you know most voters be to be given six hundred dollars that they can only give to the fucking millionaires and billionaires that already run their lives? Absolutely right. I mean, you could do better by if you really wanted to equalize the voting situation, give everybody six hundred dollars so that they can like not stress about rent during an election month and be able to actually like take a couple hours off and go vote. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea behind it because the idea is that it's to encourage you to like get involved, right? And say like, well, I got this money. So like, I guess I'll pay attention, even though I normally wouldn't even pay attention, which I I can't fault the intention behind it. But yeah, it with a lack of like UBI, just getting like, hey, don't you just love giving government money? Like not to you, the person who needs it, but, <laughs> right. you know, to Joe Biden, you know, who who also really could use 600 bucks, <laughs> you know, so that he could like buy pizzas for uh, the Fox News, you know, interns van that follows him around just to show, you know, what a nice both sides kind yeah, of sure. guy he could be. Yeah, he might send a, a flower bouquet over to Dick Cheney's house, for instance. I'm not sure, like, what is the better 
idea of getting people involved. I mean, I guess you could have like a candidate that actually like inspires people to want to get involved, but <laughs> ah, that's it seems pretty far fetched, Brendan. It's tough to do that. You might work on uh, reenfranchising a bunch of people who have been disenfranchised. That might help. No, no, because some of those people might be bad, so you don't. Oh, want right. Anyone yeah. new to vote? No, it's true. Megan McCain did not watch other people go to war so that bad people in here can vote. Hey, to, yeah. with credit to Meghan McCain, literally everybody in prison is the Boston bomber. <laughs> and no one has ever been falsely imprisoned or overly... Imprisoned for things that society doesn't even give a shit about anymore. I'm just shocked that, you know, Meghan McCain... Uh, has a problem with bombing innocent people. I mean, I, I mean, that just seems like something that, you know, she would you know, kind of have a new, more nuanced view hey, of. Dimitri Sarnayev did not wreck multiple uh, airplanes uh, before he did what he did. So it doesn't, it's not the oh, same. So he didn't kill U.S. soldiers too, <laughs> as well as. Um, okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good a time as any (laughs) to... (laughs) That's about as low as it gets. Take it out on a high note? Or do we need to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog first? That's not a high note. Maybe we can bring up Sonic during the the high note portion. I agree, though. We should take a little break there. We'll come back. We'll, We'll try to haul this back up from the well that we put it in. The aircraft crater that we put it in. the high note let's let's start it off you know what we all agree is the biggest news of the week some major pop culture news forget game of thrones forget avengers that's done let's move on to the real media the real movies here the true cinema (laughs) art form with the sonic the hedgehog live action movie trailer which was able to travel through some sort of time wormhole from an alternate universe 1997 <laughs> to just drop in our laps. Just the most amazing, spectacular display of absurdism in, you know, modern art that I've seen in months. It looks genuinely so much, uh, not in substance, but in form, uh, like the uh, 1984 Super Mario Brothers movie. Only barely related to the underlying property. Uh, the designs don't really adhere to anything. Uh, and it's just this completely unrelated 
uh, story to anything that has been established as the canon of this universe right. at this point. Yeah, there uh, aren't people in Sonic, as far as I'm aware. Oh, but, no, he made out with a human woman. Okay, well, in, in the in the real <laughs> shit, you know, before, before they started getting weird with it, like, there weren't people, like, everything, everybody was an animal. The only person was, like, the bad guy, Dr. Eggman, uh, uh, Dr. Right. Robotnik, and even then, maybe he was a robot, I'm, so who knows? I'm pretty sure he's a robot. He's, he's not fooling anybody. Yeah, so, completely- Oh my god, you guys just blew my mind. Robotnik is an actual robot? That's I thought it was theory. just like a mean dude. I think that's what they want you to think. But oh. if you look, you know, behind, why is he always wearing those goggles? Yeah, that's huh? right. He he does plug very neatly into all those machines that he makes. So like this is like like why aren't they just making like a 3D animated Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Like all these movies are 3D right. animated now. Like Avengers is have CGI. The Lion sure. King movie, they're calling it live action. Like, why are you bringing real humans into this? Why do you need real actors? 50% of that trailer was just shots of the U.S. military. Yeah. Which <laughs> I played a lot of the Sonic games, even some of the shittier modern ones, and there was the U.S. military was not involved in any of them that I can recall. So I, I don't know where that came from, but the crazy part is that there actually is like a rich, deep backstory of Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. in like comics and, you know, things like that where... It is almost like, you know, Infinity War or something. There's the Chaos Emeralds. You can use them to rewrite reality. There was a whole 90s animated series where Sonic and his friends were literally like the underground resistance fighters versus like the robot empire. Like literally like street (laughs) uprisings. Like it's crazy that they would just go with this concept which is like he's an alien or something? Like what the hell? Yeah, apparently I've got to I've got to help save your planet from something. Ugh. Probably chaos emeralds related, but who knows? Oh god. Yeah, it really is a throwback <laughs> to the older way of doing these properties before studios really knew or cared what video games or comic books were it reminds me of like the he-man cartoon where instead of just making like a epic sourcing and fantasy show with he-man in it like he-man comes to the real world and shit like that and goes to like radio yeah. shack and all this <laughs> stuff or uh like uh casper the friendly ghost the movie you know which was you know the, all of the all of the stories were just about a bunch of ghosts doing ghost hijinks but the movie actually was like real life people move into this house that's haunted by this friendly ghost and it's it's Eddie Murphy's version of the haunted mansion. Yeah. Instead of just taking the property and like trying to make a movie that understands what it's about, why people like it, it's just like we have the rights to this like image of this character and we're just going to yeah. toss it into like some other generic bullshit yeah. script we have and just go from there. But yeah, the timing for the Sonic movie could not be worse because it's going up against Detective Pikachu. Which is another movie where, like, on paper, you're like, this should not work. But then you see the trailer and you're like, okay, actually, like, this looks kind of interesting. I'm a little intrigued, <laughs> sure. Well, I, I, I'm not intrigued, but I do say, will say the Detective Pikachu movie is much more well thought out 
than this because it's not called you know pokemon it's called detective pikachu (laughs) they're saying they're (laughs) doing something different with this property it's like this is not called sonic in the real world it's just called sonic the hedgehog right um so like there's no alternate reality where the real sonic exists this is what it is like they're you know the tech the pikachu they like really think this whole is much more thought out where the pokemon are everywhere they do live in real life and it could kind of operate as you know a and then Pokemon, p- real people exist anyway, so it, it's not even like like sure. a, like even, it's not even comparable because Pokemon <laughs> takes place in the real world already. Sonic the Hedgehog, like it has all his little hedgehog friends. Where are they at? Instead, it's just like him <laughs> and Jim Carrey. Who wanted to see this? I I, I just don't understand. There will be a post credit scene. Where it's like another like red echidna sort of thing, like pulling on gloves over some spikes on his hands. <laughs> and it'll be like the most badass drop, like post credits drop of Knuckles for the sequel that will never get made because this movie obviously <laughs> is going to be terrible. Hollywood consolidating. It's shrinking. They're making a ton of money, but on much. Well, it's just Disney. Yeah, now, it's basically just Disney now. And who the fuck thought of this and said this is a good way <laughs> to spend ninety million dollars competing <laughs> with Disney? I want to know who that person is because that person should probably be fired. Um, <laughs> and that person took to Twitter today, and it was like. We've heard your criticisms. <laughs> we're going to revisit the animation. We, we shouldn't have made this movie, but we did, and we're sorry. <laughs> and they're going to update his look. The look doesn't bother me, actually, because it's, everything else is already so wrong. Like It would be a bad thing if he looked like that in a fully 3D animated cartoon with all his friends. But like, what, yeah. like how do you even notice that like his eyes are different in this one? Because there's like... Like half this movie is like gonna be James Marsden doing shit and Jim <laughs> Carrey ripping. Like, it, like nothing about this is about Sonic the Hedgehog. So it really doesn't matter what he looks like. <laughs> Has Jim Carrey had one of these big broad uh, roles in in a while? It, uh, it was. It's been a few years. Not that long. Not as long as people think. He did the like the, the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Yeah. Uh, and then they made ones without him, too. Yeah, but no, I mean, just Jim Carrey getting to do his, like, full-on, like, in-living-color shtick. Yeah. Mr. Popper's... Um, the, the Ace Ventura, Mr. Popper's the Mask. Penguins. Oh, shit. Two, Man. Yeah. Mr. Popper's Penguins, 2011. Kick-Ass 2, 2013. Dumb and Dumber 2, 2014. So it hasn't really been that long. So it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. But not yeah. as long as people thought. People thought, like, oh, it's been 20 years since Jim Carrey has done anything but a somber drama. Literally nobody fucking saw Mr. Popper's yeah. Penguins, so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hopefully, it's going to have some great memes. You know, that's probably the best thing you could say for it. What a debacle. Well, my high note this week is is something completely different from that. Thank Christ. It is pretty uplifting. And this was a story that I definitely did not expect to see and it's a local story from omaha that's now kind of like going slightly viral and getting some national coverage so as it should as it should the first united methodist church in omaha the entire seventh and eighth grade confirmation class which is like 170 kids unanimously published a letter saying until you, this church changes its official policy, 
on LGBT rights that we refuse to become confirmed. And that is amazing. <laughs> it's really incredible. It, it, the amount of like youth advocacy that we're seeing these days just blows my mind all the time, but especially within uh, a much more like intimate church environment where you've got tons of uh, familial pressure to just go through this thing um, for that many kids to all band together and basically go on strike. They're on church strike. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's badass. Um, your parents suck. Fuck them. Yeah, take a stand. And maybe, maybe if they don't, you know, change their policy, maybe just, you know, think about leaving entirely, too. That's an option. Yeah. And they kind of said there's like three options. Like, hey, look, either you change your policy or we will suggest like we can't continue with this. And we're the next generation of like the people who are supposed to build this organization. And we're not going to do it if this is how it's going to be. So we'll become an independent, you know, congregation or something like that. I mean, it is amazing how the power of collective action can get immediate results where going to hearings, stating your case, saying, we think this is why you should do this and being ignored doesn't really work. Yeah, and what was really frustrating about uh, the position that these kids are in is that uh, this this issue, LGBT rights, and it was specifically uh, gay marriage and whether or not LGBT uh, clergy should be ordained in the church, um, came up as an electoral issue. And a lot of the church was very much in favor of allowing both of those things, al allowing that into the canon. And then they basically got filibustered by a bunch of much more conservative uh, groups of the church. And so you've got a bunch of kids in a church who probably more or less agree with them. Um, like like o the Omaha Methodist establishment has always been a little bit more progressive than, say, like in the Deep South or, um, you know, like on the, you know, like Middle East coast, but they're beholden now to these things. So they're not even necessarily protesting their parents. They're looking at it from like a much broader organizational thing. It's even more difficult, I think, because it gets more abstract at that point. You're protesting a, a national organization. And there's been similar things in other uh, churches. Like I know the Mormon church has had a lot of controversy over there was like an internal movement of uh, allowing women to serve in more roles in the church because right now it's very male centric like only males can be elders and 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 things like that and so there was a big push to ordain women movement to say hey allow women to become you know members of the church and serve as bishops or whatever the terminology is that the mormons use but yeah and the mormon church's response was to excommunicate those people who were involved in that Jesus. which was not you know super duper popular with with everybody even people who are not part of the movement so yeah, yeah. it'll be kind of interesting to see i mean this type of action almost requires a response right like the church will have to come out like the leadership of the church will you know people are going to be like hey you know, what is your response to this type of thing? Like, what are you going to do about this? And it'll be interesting to see if they can come up with some justification to continue their policies that are completely unpopular by their own, you know, members. Yeah, or if or if they decide to just excommunicate some kids. But then again, the Methodist church is probably way overdue for a schism. You know, it'd be great if a whole bunch of Methodist chapters 
like split off and form their own organization. That's what Protestants do best. They fucking love it. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the whole deal. Soldier, those kids, good for them. Leslie, did you have a, a high note to take us out on? Unfortunately, no. Aside from Struggle Session, we'll be having a live show. Oh, next Friday, May tenth. Tenth in New York City, um, in Brooklyn, um, we'll be join doing a joint show with the K, with K with the K Halper show. Uh, we'll have K Halper, of course, Jack Allison, New York. Um, nice. and our guests will be uh, Jamie Peck of the Majority Report and the Antifada, uh, Jake Flores of Pod Town America, and Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone. So, hell yeah, damn dude. You really undersold this high note, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> that was, yeah, if you're that was really yeah, good. if you're in New York, uh, you can get tickets. Uh, you can uh, links at strugglesession.us our uh, website. You can find tickets there. Damn, dude, that's awesome. Well, while you're there, I, I expect that you'll be mentioning liquid flannel to all of these people <laughs> and telling them at least to follow me back on Twitter. <laughs> God damn it. Yes, I will t- tell you. Uh, you know, to not let you languish as a reply guy forever. You know. <laughs> Go ahead. Do the following. We appreciate yeah. it. You should show up at their house, you know, with your printed out manifesto and to demand that they follow you. That's how things get done on Twitter now. Well, Leslie Lee the third. I've been a reply guy of yours for a long time. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at, at Leslie Lee III. It's an excellent follow. And we're so glad to finally get you on the show. It's hey, been great, dude. Thank you for having me. Nice to be on. Brendan. Where you at? You can follow me at Brendan Williams with one L and follow the show at liquid underscore flannel. Uh, it's blowing up now that we've got all these cool guests coming on. And I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm at Matt the Great with the W. Leslie, final thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see you all. We'll see you all next week, I guess. Peace. Peace.